Hello and welcome back to The Ad Race. I'm Fayla Douglas and today I'm joined by Kalpana Tandon, Operations Director at Be Hooked. Kalpana joined Be Hooked last year but has worked at quite a few agencies you would have heard of, including Fruit, Hula, Nerds and Laundry Service. In this episode, we're going to be finding out about Kalpana's journey into advertising from her Masters in Journalism, which is where we met, working in PR, her time as an Account Director and finally working as an Operations Director. Kalpana has also worked with Flock Together, a birdwatching support club that was created as a safe space to challenge the lack of representation of people of colour in nature and encourage more of us to enjoy closer relations with the natural environment. Kalpana is joining me now. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. It's so fun and I had no idea you could record in here. <laughs> For free! I need to come in here all the time and do this myself. So, yeah. so just to put a bit of context, we're recording in Shoreditch House. Kalpna is a member and she was one of my references. I was, I was, I was. Yeah, so, so here we are. Yeah, we go way back. I know, way back. we do. Yeah. So first of all, we're going to talk about... Um, I guess your route into the ad, yeah. ad industry, which starts all the way back, I guess, when you were in school. So did you enjoy your time in school? Well, I already know you were very academic. Oh, how do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. I think like with school, yeah, I was very academic. I was not sporty at all. I was very much... I went to an academic school. I went to Croydon High School. We're both from Croydon, coincidentally, Fayola and I. Um, and it was an all-girls school, and they definitely placed a lot of emphasis on the academic subjects. So, like, you know, English, history, politics. So, I mean, those were the subjects that I ended up doing for A-levels. And I, I think... Really, in my GCSEs, I just fell in love with, like, English literature and language. And I think then I just kind of really, you know, that's when I really started learning about poetry and reading lots of books. And I just loved writing so much. Um, and, like, there was this, like, AQA anthology where, like, Carol Ann Duffy and Simon Armitage, all of those kind of UK poets that you have to learn when you're at school, um... I kind of got really, like, into all of that, and I just loved... Yeah, I just loved... I loved words, and I knew that I wanted to really, um, you know, that that be a part of my career, or whatever that was, and I just kind of was naturally good at humanities rather than science subjects or anything like that. So it was kind of just, like, very clear in my mind that that was what I wanted to do I would say the problem with with that as well was you know the, the school was academic and all of that shit but you never at that type of school where it's a little bit sheltered you never really learn about what else is out there yeah. so they tell you you know these are the subjects that are really high esteemed and I, I applied for Oxbridge I didn't actually get in um, I went to Nottingham Uni to do English, but you never are really told about anything vocational if you go to a school like that. So yeah. even though, look, I came from, I'm, I was really lucky to go to that school. Um, I kind of just, all I in my head, all I was really, all I really knew was that I liked English and therefore I was going to do English. I never really thought in my head, well, what are the kind of jobs that I can do with that subject? So going to uni, 
um, it was very much just like, well, I'm just going to do English and I'm just going to like learn about loads of books and do that and then obviously go out and get wasted in between, you know, <laughs> in between the four hours of lectures that I had every week. And then, um, and then, yeah, like I think I always deep down knew that something of the writing variety I would do. Um, and then obviously, like, you and me met after I finished uni with really, like, no kind of, you know, I, I got a 2-1. I was, like, I have just... I was, went out so much um, at uni and afterwards, and I was just like, fuck, I, I still don't really know what I want to do. I wasn't proactive in terms of, you know, securing internships in between my uni days, which is what a lot of people did. I didn't necessarily have like this clear view and I think maybe because I was just living my life and exploring other things at that time um so I just kind of was like you know I've always liked writing I would you know I love tv maybe it would be cool to do something like broadcast journalism as a master's or tv journalism which was how kind of city came onto the scene which is obviously when we met um and before that, I kind of maybe thought maybe I'll be a lawyer. Uh, was about to do it, and then I was like, no, 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 I'm going to do this instead. So I was still kind of teetering on the edge. So we met there, and obviously that was crazy. Um, that was really fun. A lot different in terms of the four hours of like very different. I mean, that was in the class. Kind of, to this was like full, t- very much. Full it was crazy, time. wasn't it? Because it was like nine to five. It was like a proper like. You know, you came and you did it and you just learned, you know, the Monday you learned about all the kind of theory behind TV and broadcast journalism and media law. And obviously Tuesday we had our news days where we like (laughs) made our kind of 90 second news packages and presented it back to everyone. That was really fun. Um, And obviously I can't even remember what the rest of it was. Documentary making. We obviously did that really fun one with um, David. You know, that guy that I knew where we did uh, what you would do to make ends meet. Oh, that was <laughs> that was so good. I swear I've seen something similar on BBC Three no after. Yeah, it was yeah. a great idea, that. Yeah, that was so great. So we obviously, um, we did a mini documentary about the lengths students go to to make ends meet, where I kind of knew someone who was a butler in the buff. So we got him to do a documentary with us, very short one. Um, and I knew I knew someone who worked full time at McDonald's while studying. I remember that a lot. That's yeah, like so so intense. I like, know. to do that whilst doing your undergrad. Yeah, no, it's mental. So yeah, so we obviously yeah, so that was that was really good. I think again though, at the time, you know, doing. I think I feel like you got a lot more out of it than maybe I did. Like I think when I was doing that masters I um maybe my heart just wasn't really in it that year. I don't know. Like and maybe I don't know because I what it was really amazing to have the internships at ITV and Sky and um this week the BBC show with Andrew Neil. Obviously it was really cool to have all of that, but something didn't really click for me. Something didn't really click doing that. And I don't know if it was because... I think a lot of it was to do with, for me, anyway, it was an age thing. Like, I think doing that at 21, when you don't necessarily know yourself, um, kind of... It it just felt like it didn't really fit, and I felt a little bit depressed in the newsrooms. I didn't necessarily love, 
I wasn't used to the working environment and therefore I wasn't outgoing enough. And I think if you're going to do that at that age, and so many people do it and they do it very successfully at that age, you have to be so outgoing and proactive and not be spoon-fed or fed information. You just have to know that it's what you want to do and you've got to be so crystal clear that you want to be a journalist and you're going to find those stories on your own because no one's going to do it for you. And I think, you know, being put in those situations at that age and actually with maybe just not really knowing whether that was what I wanted to do yet, it just didn't work. And I think I just knew from then, like, even though despite it was such a good year to learn everything just about presenting information, you know, talking to strangers, learning, being interested in people's stories, like, all of that is so valuable. So it was so good. It just wasn't right but like you know everything I've done up until this point has really helped me as to where I am now so I feel really good about that but anyway yeah so obviously that was that and then I was like oh shit you know I don't want to be a journalist I've just done a whole bloody masters in it what shall I do and I think I just felt like I just wanted to do something more fun and more maybe more creative even though now I'm like being a journalist is is absolutely so creative um so I decided to do PR and I got an internship at Frank uh which is a PR agency um and my sister actually got actually got me a foot in the door with someone she knew there and um I yeah I ended up just interning there and then the rest is kind of history I had an internship at Frank and then I worked at marketeers which was a broadcast PR agency then I worked at Fruct which was a marketing agency but really rooted in music which was a big thing for me because I love music so much and then don't panic exposure uh laundry service urban nerds um cooler where I was an account director and that was really like my first kind of big social media job um and that was great and then you know, uh, where I am now, which is Be Hooked. So that's, so yeah, that, that's my whole career in a nutshell. <laughs> that's just like a whistle-stop tour. So what did you find so different about PR that made it more attractive to you like, over journalism? Yeah, yeah. I think at the time, what made PR so much more attractive than journalism was really just... I think I just something connected with me with with the brands, like working with brands, finding stories that way. Honestly, it felt just a bit more light to me. And at, at that time, I just needed like something light and happy. I was going to these newsrooms every day, genuinely feeling a bit like everything was really doom and gloom. And I think, you know, like I said, now if I was put into these newsrooms, I think I'd love it and I would be relishing, like, you know, learning about, like, deep, authentic stories and I think I'd really, really enjoy it. I just think I was too young and I don't think necessarily everyone is too young when they do it at that age. I just think I was um, because maybe I just didn't have the life experience I needed or, like, the just kind of gumption or, like, know-how. So I just wanted something a bit more lighter and where I could just have a, a bit more fun and be a bit more playful, which I felt PR was, like, a way to do. But I could still kind of lean on, like, you know, writing, skills, um, all of the stuff that you can get with being a journalist in news, but it, it's just a bit more kind of, 
you know, rooted in positivity in PR because that's essentially what PR is about, creating positive stories for brands. So, yeah. And what about the difference in the working environment? Because I know that, of course, in newsrooms, there are people that are often working on entertainment stories or things that can be a bit lighter. But now I've kind of witnessed both sides of things. I feel like PR and marketing, they can be, like you said, like a more positive, lighter environment. People aren't... um, often like as serious 24 hours a day of course there's times when it's like coming down to to the wire and things need to be delivered for clients but generally there's usually more of a kind of a calmness in the, the atmosphere yeah it's so true it's so true that that is what it is and like don't get me wrong I mean I've worked at so many agencies where oh my god it gets so stressful and the atmosphere is you know it's tense and whatever but I think, you know, I think why people like working in agencies because it's very, like, it's it's fun. You can kind of just be yourself. You know, there isn't kind of... Which I know you can in newsrooms as well, but it, it it's just... I think I just suited it a bit more. I think I just suited, like, the more kind of, you know... I think a big thing for me is really, like, the culture thing. So, you know, with... It was like I've, the, the, the agencies I've worked at, they've all been kind of leaning towards a sensibility of people who love music, people who love art, people who love film, people who just love what the coolest thing in the, you know, that's the easiest way of saying it is. And I think just that just aligned with me a bit more. But like I said, look, you know, I'm 31 now and I was 22 then. So everything's different. I could probably be in a newsroom and love it now. You know, it's crazy how things change. Do you think there was anything you kind of could have done with knowing before you kind of set out on your path into journalism? Or do you think that was just totally beneficial to have that experience regardless? Like... Do you think you would have preferred to go straight into PR? I don't think so. I don't think so. I definitely am, like, now definitely a firm believer in everything happens for a reason and every experience that you have, you get valuable insights from. And I really feel like because my career has been very changeable and I was so mishmash all throughout my 20s of like changing jobs like no man's business just like you know seeing what I've wanted to you know just kind of like testing and learning so many different agencies and you know being that person which you know my my parents would kind of roll their eyes at oh she's left another job you know that kind of thing um but I just feel like if I hadn't have done that I wouldn't have had the experiences that I've had. So had I, had I not done broadcast journalism, I just don't think I would have... You just come armed with different skills that someone who's gone straight to PR or straight into marketing hasn't got. So, you know, like, I mean, essentially I did a year's worth of education on some really valuable stuff, like making a documentary, um, you know, news packages just just learning about being in a different work environment to the one that I eventually was in you know over and over again with agency life so no I don't because I don't really in my life right now I don't really regret anything so I think it's I think it's always really good as a young person to 
just be really aware of what is out there. I think that's the biggest lesson I would say is just I don't think I really educated myself or made myself aware of what were the other things in life you can do other than the straight roots of being a journalist or knowing my sister was in PR, you know, ultimately there could have been three other types of jobs that I could have done knowing that they were out there. So I think a lot of it is just being very, however you can do that, educating yourself on what the different types of jobs you can do with your skill set, I think is really important, you know. I also feel like if I would have been a bit braver, there maybe were times when I was younger that I might have left a job a bit quicker. So Mm. I think it's great that you can kind of say that and you were able to notice that this wasn't the place that you wanted to be. There's a lot of people that maybe need to hear that, like, walk away. Yeah, and, like, I think at times I was definitely scared or maybe regretful that I'd done it or maybe didn't think it was, like, the right... You know, almost felt a bit of shame for doing it. Um, But then I just think I was just... It made me be very almost kind of nimble in that if I left a job I would I then ended up taking a load of freelance positions after that so I got very used to I was suddenly a freelancer doing the freelance way of working in an agency world which teaches you a lot as well so it kind of makes you be very resilient and nimble in your workplace and you kind of just it allows you to be a very uh, self-sufficient worker as well to do that so yeah, like, you know, you've got to do what's right for you. And I think that is a really important thing to remember is just to kind of trust your gut and know that if something isn't right, it's because it's maybe not the right thing for you. Um, you have to also be... I wouldn't recommend everyone to just quit their jobs and whatever. I really wouldn't. You have to be sure that you've got you've got to have something lined up as well because that is not a good position to be in. And I think... Um, you know, it's not. It's important to kind of know what your next move is going to be always, you know, and maybe some... I was guilty of maybe thinking about my next move a little too much when I was <laughs> in my current move. So, yeah. So there's something people have been talking about a lot more recently and they call it quiet quitting. Yeah, yeah. When people kind of slowly back away from their jobs, yeah. so start rather than doing, like, the most, you know, doing the bare minimum to, to kind of get yeah, by. Why yeah. I guess... Sometimes you're foot, like one foot out the door. You're looking for your next opportunity. Sure. Are you kind of advising that's probably the best way to go about things rather than like handing your notice and have nowhere to go? I think you know it's going to be different for every individual in terms of you know you've got to be financially secure if you are going to leave your job. You've got to think about what your kind of living situation is. All of that is is so key and important. I mean ideally you could just not quietly quit and you could just leave but I mean yeah the quietly quitting thing I think doesn't it's not great is it to be in something that you aren't necessarily passionate about and you're that to me just feels like such a waste of time it feels like god you know quietly quitting fucking hell like you're how you you're spending your days like 
you'd go home really unsatisfied every single day if you quietly quit. But then it's really hard because of all the kind of working, living situation that the UK is in at the moment. Like, it's really hard to uh, motivate yourself when maybe if you're not working somewhere where you are happy, um, how you kind of get up and leave. I, d I don't know. I, I don't know. It's not something that I could ever do because you have to. I have to do something that I'm passionate about and where I feel like I'm being valued. And if you're not being valued for whatever reason, you know, I would more recommend having those, being brave enough and courageous enough to having the honest conversations with your employers to try and make it better so that you don't feel like you have to quietly quit. Or just quietly quit, be very proactive in, you know, looking for your next role and, and having making sure that you don't just have, like, three interviews lined up at like 25 or like whatever that is that's going to help you get to where you want to be you know so you went from PR to to marketing mm -hmm. kind of how was that that change for you did that was that through freelance opportunities that you that you found mm. kind of how did you make that move yeah so I mean P, so it was PR and that was really just like you know the frank kind of um the Frank internship and then the marketers role that I had for about a year and a half and that was broadcast PR and then I just you know I saw the job was available at Fruct which was a kind of more like music marketing and brands agency um and I just applied and it was a sidestep you know I went from being an account exec to an account exec it wasn't a promotion it was a complete sidestep um but, but to a job that I was a lot happier in. And it was a lot more suited to my personality with the type of brands that they worked with and the fact that it was very much rooted in culture and music. And, you know, um, they were always at lots of festivals. That was a big part of working there. You know, all of the people that worked there were super passionate about music. So I think that was just... Um, it felt like such a, an amazing step in the right direction for me and based on who I was. So, yeah, that was it, really. I think... That's the other thing I would say is not to be so afraid of, of sidestepping in your career. Um, it's obviously, you know, people can feel really down on their, themselves or, you know, not feel like they're getting anywhere if they sidestep. But actually, a sidestep can be a very strategic move to get into something that you really, truly want to do. And if it means either taking you know, a pay, a, a small pay cut or potentially just a smaller pay rise or whatever that is, I think it's worth it in the end if it's truly what you, in your heart, want to do. And did you find it to be quite similar? I know you said it was a, a side step, you had the same job title, but it was, of course, like, you were delivering mm. very different work. Yeah. Um, was it quite a similar role that you, you kind of felt you were doing or...? No, it wasn't similar at all, actually. I think, um, you know, with my first job, it was very PR. It was a PR agency that was super project-based, and I went from, like, a marketing agency who had all retained clients, and like I said, you know, this was an agency where you were constantly going to, like, gigs and events all the time. They really championed that so much, like... The culture there was just so fantastic as a place. Um, and I maybe think, you know, and I don't... Now I don't necessarily think this is is 
is where I would want to be now. But like, it was part of a massive uh, conglomerate. It was part of IPG, so it had the security of being part of something quite big. Um, so there are a lot of quite good benefits as well with that, which which you do get with working for companies like that. But yeah, it was just a fun. It was a lot of fun. It was. And how was your work-life balance there? Because I know that some of these agencies, especially when they have lots of benefits and they, um, they're involved in like music festivals and stuff like that, kind of takes over your whole life because yeah. you're working the weekends at these events. And yeah, yeah, it's fun, but you are working still. No, it's true. It's so true. And like, I think that's the funny thing about work-life balance because there, I think... As a whole, work-life balance was great. Um, but when you're doing the things like the gigs, like the festivals, whatever, you don't really care about the work-life balance. If you're passionate about the thing, work-life balance doesn't really enter your mind too much. I think it becomes an issue when you're genuinely working like the overtime and you just don't feel... When, you, when your heart is not in something that is when you really start to question what you're doing. I mean, like, right now, I'm obviously working at Be Hooked, and um, I work... My work-life balance is, you know, it is what it is, but I'm so passionate about what I'm doing that it overrides any kind of um, doubts in my mind about work-life balance. Like, I genuinely feel, if you're passionate about the industry that you're in, the job that you're in you kind of you, you you know you're kind of you feel positive about when you maybe do have to go the extra mile and I think as long as there's a trade-off as well I think if you're able to do these big things but then you're also allowed to you know control your own time and control your hours to a degree um, and have that ownership I think that makes all the difference so looking back at your time in PR and comparing it to kind of when you first entered more the marketing side of things, um, I think, I don't even know why I'm asking, but which do you enjoy more? <laughs> you know. yeah, 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 I think you know. I think you know. So um, definitely marketing. I enjoy marketing more because, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's all kind of the same now. Well, it's not even the same. It, it's all... They all run so much into each other now. Like, I'm pure, I'm working at a primarily social media agency. So I primarily work at, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of foundations are social media. And I have been doing that for the past three or four years um, with the various agencies I've worked in. And, you know, that is now part and parcel to any sort of PR strategy and any sort of marketing strategy. So they all kind of roll into one. Um, marketing's great because you kind of go, you, you're, you're there from the beginning. So, you know, you really get to think about the insights um, behind what you're doing and then PR's kind of the offshoot of that. But I think, uh, I, I, look, I don't think I was in PR for that long at all. And I think had I maybe, you know, been at different uh, agencies, I might have, you know, loved, loved that as a discipline more. But what I really know better is I just know marketing and I know social media better than I do PR for sure. You obviously have the benefit of having worked in a lot of different places so hopefully you're going to be able to give us some insights on how you felt diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. was across a broad range of experiences that you had um, 
in the industry we all are maybe looking at things through fresh eyes I feel like since kind of 2020 and um, Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd's murder now looking back on things like do you feel that there was enough conversations being had before that time or do you think that things weren't really really talked about in the, the places you worked there were no conversations at all and that is the truth. Like, there was hardly any conversations about diversity and inclusion until there really needed to be, which was recently over the past few years. Everywhere I worked, I, I don't feel was diverse enough. Um, and I definitely think the industry as a whole still isn't very diverse. And I think that potentially is incrementally changing. Um but I think it's just something I've always saw and always knew about the marketing, PR, advertising industry. It, it, it's never been diverse enough. And I still think there's so far to go with that and it being an industry where it is um, actually representative of everyone out there. It's, it's just been, you know, it's obviously positive what has happened out of something really awful Um which, which is the fact that from what I've seen over the past few years and, like, the amazing community groups that have come out of uh, things like Black Lives Matter, such as, obviously, Flock Together, um, the birdwatching community, which I was a general manager for, um, but, but loads of other amazing groups as well, not just, um, you know, in things like birdwatching, but D- Diet Pratha... I love that about, you know, and that's all about South Asian creative communities. Um, I think when I worked at Nerds, which was Urban Nerds back then, that was the first place I worked in, and that was in 2018, where the majority of employees were um, from ethnic minorities. So that was, that was like, super eye-opening, and that was, like the only place in the industry that I worked to date where it had that and it was quite like you know it was kind of a big deal um and interestingly it was in the Amplify offices actually it was on like the second or third floor of those offices so apart from that like that was probably the single experience where I had where you know it was incredibly incredibly diverse um but yeah, like like I said, still a huge way to go. You know, I think it. Like I said, like London is this amazing hotbed for these incredible community groups, which uh, the marketing and advertising industry are definitely harnessing for a lot of their campaigns. Um, so it's brilliant. But yeah, there, there's still so much work to be done for sure. And of course, being from Croydon, it's. It is somewhere that there is a, yeah. a huge amount of diversity. Was it ever unusual to you when you walked into some of those spaces and you, you kind of, you're in London still, but you are you walk into an agency and you're like, oh, this isn't representative of what I see on the streets of London? Yeah, I think like going from growing up in Croydon and then going to Nottingham as a university, that was very eye-opening, seeing people who were all kind of, part of the same world 
all in one place and it being, you know, there being a huge lack of diversity there. Um, and then, yeah, that our industry as well being, you know, I think even when we did uh, went to City, was that very diverse? No. no. You know, doing journalism, being any in any of those newsrooms at the time, that wasn't very diverse. There wasn't that diversity that there is now. There wasn't that need for diversity that there is now because the world has changed so much now. So we now, you know, it's so important now that we're representing the cross-section of our society, whereas I think there was such a kind of, you know, almost like blind kind of I'm, I'm just we, we don't we don't need to kind of address that but now it's it has to be done it just has to be done and looking back over your career do you ever feel like race played a big part in your working life like in terms of the positions that you you held or like any way that you were treated or anything like that was there anything that kind of stood out to you I don't know really I don't know. Like, I think it it may have... Ultimately, like we've, like we've said, like, the, the industry isn't diverse. So there could have been bias on some level at some stages when it came to progression or anything like that. Um, I don't have a specific instance of when I felt it really held me back. As, you know, I think... Again, like I think, it's, we're, we're females, but we're also from, um, you know, POC backgrounds. So I think both of those things probably had, you know, in equal measure their own advantages, but also disadvantages as well. You know. Yeah. And you did mention it just then. So I know that you previously worked with Flock Together. Yeah. Um, so kind of, how did you? begin working with them and kind of why is it important that organisations like that do exist at this time? I mean, I I started working with them when I was very much, like, adamant I didn't want to work in agencies anymore. So I, I needed a break, and actually that was during lockdown. Um, it was in 2021, last year, when I... I was kind of ready just to throw it in the towel with all, all agencies. I just finished a stint at an agency um (laughs) working for amazon music as a client and i just thought you know what i've done a lot of a lot of work in agency world i'm ready just to you know do something different do something where i can really put my all into something that um matters and means something and like flock together a a friend of mine showed me the job description on their um, Instagram page and I just applied. I spoke to um, the founders, Ollie, Nadim and and Ollie and it just, um, you know, it just kind of went from there and it, it was an amazing thing to be a part of and they're an incredible group of people who have created this incredible and actually huge community, not just in London, but... Um, in Japan and in Toronto um, and, you know, they've got such a huge following from just being this kind of two people who just loved birds and connected on, on Instagram and then felt that it needed, 
you know, felt that there needed to be more representation of people of colour within not just bird watching but nature as a whole um, and what they've done and, you know, the fact that when you go for walks you see lots of diverse people from all backgrounds there. I think it is a, a testament to them. Um, and, and from Flock Together starting, there's been so many other community groups like them that have that have been born out of them. So it, it's really incredible, actually. Uh, what an incredible thing to be a part of, you know, in, in the world we live in now, I think. And would that have existed five years ago? Probably not. So it's just, it, it's crazy where the world world is now. Yeah, I think I've seen um, a group that kind of has cropped up and it's about people being able to even just take walks in nature. There are yeah. a lot of people who didn't feel welcomed into those spaces because of experiences they've obviously directly had when they've gone into those environments. And to think that people feel like they can't go and enjoy, like, you know, five miles out of London, literally, like, not far, but they don't feel like they can go and, and do certain activities. Yeah, and that is what yeah. Walk Together is all about. So, you know, they have their monthly walks and they kind of... I mean, it attra- attracts, like, 80 to 100 people every month, all people of colour to just come and do a walk and it's usually further afield you know there's been Kew Gardens they've done it in you know Beckenham Place Park they've done it in loads of uh cool locations and you know I think at first there was there there are those funny looks from people but it's a safe space if it's a safe space and it's it's a great place to kind of connect with people of similar backgrounds, to share stories, to share the work you're doing. You know, there's always spoken word poetry there as well. It's it's so brilliant. I recommend anyone to, to do a monthly walk with Flock Together, for sure. So, while we're talking about things that people are passionate about, it would be really good to talk about your main passions. So, I know you said your passions are rooted in music yeah. and culture. Mm. Kind of how, um, how would you de- describe that? those passions have really I guess traveled through your career and always kind of spurred you on to your next challenge yeah sure so I think I think like you know like I said writing from such a young age was a really um really big passion of mine I think I definitely shied away from it a lot in my 20s like being more on the account management side of things in agency world um and, you know, you kind of feel like, oh, no, the creatives must do that. It's the creatives in the agencies. They've got to be, like, the writers. But actually, working in smaller agencies like Cooler, a social media agency, um, which I joined when it was relatively small and now it's massive, and, and even working at Be Hook now um, and being in the position I'm in, I feel so much more empowered to be the person to have the creative idea and to, to write the idea, to present the idea, because... You know, I think it, it. I feel very passionate about it. And I think, like I said, like you can shy away from your passions, but actually that's where you get the most satisfaction is when you're, you're the person doing it. And I think um, that's where I've been quite lucky is working at smaller agencies where you kind of just have to be super nimble and sometimes do the jobs of other people or, or whatever or share roles. Um, you kind of really end up just like empowering yourself so that's been a really a big passion of mine that I've kind of realised and has undulated through my career. But then also, um, yeah, music. Like, music's kind of... I don't 
I don't like play any instruments. I don't sing apart from a karaoke. Uh, <laughs> but I love it so much. And like, like I said, like, you know, it started with working at Fruct. Um, and I, I think it was an agency full of like-minded people who all love music. And, you know, we would share kind of that passion in various different ways through going to gigs together, putting on um, like a monthly gig night, writing about music. And that really that really helped me then get other jobs um, which were also rooted in in those passions as well. So whether that was exposure, urban nerds, music, uh, uh, laundry service, this, you know, B-Hook now where I'm working with, like, Alicia Keys. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, pe- you know, people that I've been incredibly passionate about growing up and, and, like, working with someone like her now, like, that's... That's that's the marker of like just doing what you're. You know, if you if you really are passionate, you you can work on the things that you love. I really do believe that. And do you have any advice to help people find their passion? Mm. Good question. Good question because I do feel that like, you know, I I probably feel like sure of myself now, but I definitely wasn't for so many years. I definitely definitely didn't just let myself believe in the passions that I had I think just because you're not you know I always felt like just because I didn't play an instrument or or wasn't a singer that I didn't necessarily have a right to be passionate about music and I think you just have to be feel really cool I think deep down everyone knows what they love like I think if if you could ask someone deep down like what is the thing that you would do tomorrow if you know no one didn't you know whatever I think everyone knows that answer and you just have to be super confident in it and not necessarily be afraid. Yeah, so you were just telling me about people finding their passion. Do you think that you can find your passion at any age or do you think that it's something that it's more easily identifiable, I guess, when you get older? Or do you think you can know? Can you know when you're in school? I think people can know. I don't think I necessarily knew. And I... You know, ask me when I'm like a hundred, <laughs> because I might be like, yeah, you can find. I look, I I genuinely feel, and I feel positive about it as well that people can find their passions at any age, at like the right time for them. I still think I'm discovering mine. I don't think I fully still know what all of my passions are. I still think I'm truly exploring that, and I think, you know, I I definitely. There are things I'm passionate about, um, which have helped me in my in the jobs that I've done. But I really do feel like, I, you know, the people that do know, they are so lucky. But I just don't think anyone needs to worry if they don't know is the main thing I would say. I think, like, I would just, not, like, note down all the things that you like and what you don't like about working or just life and then try and identify what those things are that you think you could take forward in in your job and what you really think you could do um and it's just that isn't it and I I think I I had like a I actually had a career coach at one point and she did tell me that she said that what is the thing that you know you could do 
with your eyes closed? Like, what is the thing in your job that you know that you could do with your eyes closed? And I think mine was like, yeah, I think it was kind of just writing and being a communicator is the thing that I knew I could just do. And whatever that thing is, that will carry you through. And and I truly think that kind of natural ability usually aligns with, like, a passion of yours as well. And I think you are a great advocate and a perfect example of not settling. Yeah. Um, so what advice would you give to anyone who's really wondering about kind of what they should do next, like what their next step is? They know they're not satisfied, like, and they're in their careers and they're kind of wondering, like, what should I do? Yeah. I mean, like, I think don't be too hasty. And I can say that from experience. I've left so many jobs very quickly, too quickly, after three months of maybe really giving them a chance. Ask yourself the reasons why, you know, you're maybe not satisfied. What is it driven by? Is it driven by your salary? Is it driven by your boss? Is it driven by culture? What, What are the things that are making you question it? And is it questioned by your own ego and how you feel? They're really important questions to ask. I don't think I necessarily sat with those questions and I kind of just acted on something not necessarily being right. And I think if you identify those things and you really feel you can't improve them in the current situation you're in, it's probably time to leave. And you've just got to kind of take a leap of faith sometime, but also be very prepared and make sure you are preparing for your next move, doing all of your research, seeing what else is out there, seeing what's realistic for you to get next. Those things are really, really key. But I think it's just really sitting with why maybe it's not right for you and not being afraid of what the outcome could be out of that. The outcome could be trying to make the best of it and developing it, having an honest honest conversation with your line manager Um, having a brave conversation with your line manager about your salary or thinking about your next steps and thinking about moving on and that being completely okay as well. Brilliant. That's all we've got time for, but a lot of people are going to be thinking about these these things in January. You know, it's when you kind of think about your next steps, what's happening next, lining up your year. This is perfect advice. Yay! Anytime. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Oh, that was nice.